mornings a week, we meet before breakfast for an early morning run. We spend most of our time planning and reflecting on what's happening in our classrooms. This has become our favorite professional development. So we figured, why not share these moments with you? Welcome to Math Before Breakfast. episode 52. I'm Tracy Prophet. I'm Ruth Urquiaga. And I'm Jay Prophet. And we are excited to talk about an open middle problem Ruth used in her class and a question that I got from a teacher about multiplying decimals that I hope you're going to help me with. And then powers of 10, which is where your class is going. And all of this without running all week, because last week I fell down the stairs and yeah. I don't really have a great story. Like I stretched a tendon in the top of my foot. Yeah. I never go to the doctor, but I went and he was like, yeah, you didn't break it, but you do need a pedicure. Oh, that's what he said? Really? Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. That kind. <laughs> I have. Yeah. Oh. It's winter. Yeah. Raise your hand if you don't need a pedicure in the winter. <laughs> I, I, I probably never really. Well, yeah. I always need one, but never. Oh, right. I've only ever had one in my life. Well, then you're. Yeah. I just had toenail polish on there that needs to come off. Gotcha. Yeah. My toenail polish gets ratty quite often. (laughs) Well, on that note, let's jump into the math, y'all. So I got asked by a friend about using a task for teaching equality. Um, Like, you know how, well, I don't know if you know, but in, I would say probably starting in first or second grade, I know for sure in second grade, there's every time there's a, a standard about equality and how the equal sign does not mean makes, it means both sides are the same, you know, same value. And this was a third grader, third grade teacher and asked, she was asking, she had an idea for a task she wanted to try. And she was asking me like, is this really the right task that will support what they're supposed to do? She also asked a good question about, um, why? Like, what? where's this headed? Which I love those kinds of questions, and I don't always have the right answer at the time. Um, but in helping her, I found a um, open middle problem that someone had posted that it was helping younger students think about equality. And so the problem said um, a single-digit number plus a single-digit number equals a single-digit number minus a single-digit number, and you were supposed to use the supposed to get it to have the largest value possible on both sides of the equal sign. And so I talked to her about that problem. We, we you know, ended up going a different direction for what she was going to do. But then on a run, we taught or actually maybe on a walk. Um, yeah, it was I think it was a walk. <laughs> on a hobble. <laughs> yeah. Um, we ended up talking about that problem. And then you decided you were going to use it. And then you texted me during the day like, OMG. So tell us about that. It, it is a, it's in the open middle website on first grade right is where Uh, we found it so there's i looked so there's one in kindergarten and it's yours exact one that just says can you make this equal okay and then there's one in first grade that says can you make this equal with the greatest difference Mm -hmm. so it's like one more step okay um and then my plan was go ahead and do this first grade open middle challenge simple everyone will get it let's do it in a warm-up and then you'll take your test and when you take a test in my class the rule is that you don't turn it in 
You don't ask to go to the bathroom. You don't do this long, obnoxious stretch because you're finished mm-hmm. when the people beside you still haven't. And there's always something to work on, and it looks like a test. And so this next one was the one that you made or the one mm-hmm. that someone else made the same time you made yeah. and sent it. But anyways, it's a two-digit number. Mm-hmm. So the whole idea was we're going to do this really easy. I'm going to give them some strategies, and then I'm going to let them work it out. And I gave them the open middle document from the website where they had six trials and they had to write what they learned, Yeah, um, which I'm finding that I'm really going to have to model what that looks like mm. because a lot of times the students who are successful with open middle still only just have eraser marks. They don't mm. want to try it again. Yeah. And because I haven't trained them from the very beginning that this is what it should look like, we're really struggling with, yeah, you know, what six trials looks like. Yeah. So anyways, I put up the simple problem and it's the first class period. And I'm going to walk around a room of sixth graders and I didn't give them any background knowledge. I didn't say, what does the equal mark mean? Mm-hmm. Because we're in sixth grade. So yeah. I didn't think it was necessary. Yeah. I'm guessing that was not the case. Oh, my Oh, my. Like, they felt like they had to write three plus two equals five. They had to put five in that first box. Mm -hmm. And then they had to do something with the minus at the end to still make it equal the five that was on the other side. Zero. But zero is not a choice in this particular puzzle. That That would be a good choice, yes. But in these puzzles, it's one through nine. Yeah, and... So, you know, when I found a couple students who were able to be successful with it and I was able to put their thinking up there and showed the rest of the class that these are, um, I just kind of drew it like you might solve an order of operations problem where you draw the two diagonal lines with the answer at Mm -hmm. the bottom. There was this like, oh, was it, was it an O like this is new or an O like, oh yeah, I remember that. I forgot. Um, I think I was scared to ask. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I've never seen you know? this before. So what is this? Is that a result of that's a missing standard in your school's curriculum? Is that a result of the teachers <laughs> blowing by it because it seems so easy like and duh kind of thing. Um, I mean, I'm I'm guilty of being like looking at what I have to teach from a nine weeks, and being like, okay, that one's not going to take us any time, you know. When because I think about unfortunately what how it's being asked in a mm-hmm. on an assessment, and and it's not that hard on an assessment. What do you think's the the root of that? I don't know, but I'm beginning to wonder now, like, when I use hands-on equations, maybe they really don't understand the equal mark. So even when I start that hands-on equations, I don't spend a lot of time talking about what the equal mark means, but maybe I should. Yeah. You know, like, maybe I'm one of the teachers who's like, you totally got this. You know what equal means. You've seen an equal mark since. Yeah. And maybe even just the conversation we had Thursday was enough. So what did you do? Like, 
you just put up somebody's correct thinking. That's how you that's how you fix that misconception. That's how I fixed that misconception. And then I said, so what if I let you do it and it didn't have to be the biggest? What else could go up here? Can you tell me some other equations? So we almost went back to that kindergarten version. Yeah. And I didn't spend a lot of time on it because I wanted to give them the whole time for their class for their test. But then when we got to the end, there they were doing the right kind of thinking yeah. with the double digit. Yeah. I'm not going to tell you that anybody got it. Oh, really? Um, a lot of it had to do with their test taking the whole class period. Um, and then when they were done their test, they didn't feel like, ooh, this is great. I want to take a challenge. Yeah. So I had a couple students who did, and um, it, it was 86, right? Wasn't that the largest do you remember the answer to yours i don't remember i'd have to look it, it wasn't 98 minus 12 though right it was 98 right. minus 14 so 84 i think someone got that okay cool. um but of course i didn't tell them yeah and was like well just you know rationalize prove to me that you know that yours is right yeah and the bell rang and he's like do i have to prove to you like you can take it home if you want to <laughs> i never say no but yeah um so after you realized there was that misconception in your first class did you did you let everybody make that mistake in your second and third and fourth, mm -hmm. or you you said it to them? Mm -hmm. I told them. Yeah. Because if you click on hint on mm -hmm. that particular one, the hints are, what does the equal mark mean? Mm -hmm. Where should the nine go? And something else. Mm -hmm. So what does the equal mark mean led us to that discussion of yeah. what does it mean? And my whole idea was put that up there so students would experience success yeah. and then want to try the double digit one. Yeah. Um, and in second period, there was not very much success. So nobody wanted to try bigger numbers. They couldn't even do the little ones. Yeah. But I do appreciate that open middle doesn't project what grade level problem it is. When you click on it. Yeah. So oh. it's not like, welcome to second grade and here's a problem you can't solve. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. That's I mean, good. it's nice that they're organized that way for mm -hmm. sure, but it's, I appreciate that it's not. Mm -hmm. Although it could be the other way when you're in second grade and they see they're doing a fifth grade problem and they'd be all excited. Yeah. Yeah. They're pretty hard. Like, yeah. Yeah. I could, they are. It's just a different way to think about math. Yeah. And it's another one of those examples that is like, the more different ways you think about presenting something or asking something or, you know, different misconceptions or understandings, either one, get uncovered, you mm -hmm. know? And over and over, I'm like, oh, my gosh, if we had not done this, whether it's open middle or something else, if we'd not tried this, I would not have known that a kid knew that or didn't know that, you know? Um, you just – you. The more different ways you can do something, the more you're going to learn about their thinking, I guess. Um, I will shout out, do a shout out to what um, this teacher chose, finally chose for her, for her task. She was going to use broken calculator um, and she was going to pick a number that she wanted them to all uh, make. And the broken calculator, we've talked about it before in a really early episode, um, where you have to make a number, but certain digits on the calculator are broken and you can't use them. And so she was going to get them to do that. And then she was going to be like, so we have all these ways to make 13 on the board. Um, what if, what if we now, and we have something, something equals 13, something equals 13, something all the, all the way across. And then what if we take two of these and put them together? Does that still make a true statement? So that's how she was going to introduce it, which I thought was pretty cool. 
That is cool. As a start. So a broken calculator, it's not like you have to figure out which number doesn't work. It lets you know you just can't use that, that yeah. digit. It's like, a, it's like a prompt, sort of. You know, the, one of the first ones, I think, is you need to get the calculator to show 13 and 1 and 3. The digits 1 and 3 are broken. Okay. Yeah. So you could do 6 plus 7 or 5 plus 8 or, all, you know, um, all And kinds sometimes of the operating... The operator symbols are broken, too, so. Yeah. But you can't do 11 plus 2. Correct. Yep. Or anything minus. What do you mean, anything minus? Well, because anything above 13 is kind of a 1, and then you get to, well, I guess you could do 20 minus 7. Yeah. Okay, there you could do that one. Yeah. Look at you. Good job. So, that's what she was going to start with. Um. All right, so, did you have anything else you wanted to say about that? I don't think so. Okay. I got a Friday afternoon um, sort of, not panicky, but just funny text from a teacher who's teaching multiplying decimals. And she told me, she's like, I just can't get up the nerve to start the decimal times a decimal. Like she's done the, she's done the whole number times a decimal and they're, they're getting it. But, but she she's, keeps getting there in class like, okay, now we're going to go do I some think, reading. I or, think some, I think. Now it's time to go outside and play. Yeah, I think kind of like that. Yeah. I think it's more like, let's stay here one more day let's practice one more time she keeps circling around the room not quite ready to engage which i think uh, which i understand so well that i that's been me whether it's been that particular skill or not like i know that like oh this is going to be tough i'm not ready to start (laughs) um but she was like driving home on friday afternoon you know really thinking about this which i love that's so cool that you know that's what she's thinking about on friday afternoon um she's like okay i just don't know how to explain to them why when you multiply by a decimal, it doesn't get bigger. They expect it to get bigger and then it blows their mind. And I don't really have a good answer for them. And can you help me with that on Monday? And, um, you know, I'm all weekend. I've been like, yeah, me too. You know? (laughs) And I know we've talked about it on here before, but I feel like we have unfinished business, you know, with this idea. Um, so I want to hear I've been thinking about it and not just, you know, like waiting for you to do my homework for me, but I've been. There's some of that problem. Yeah. Um, I want to hear your explanation of what you would say to her about what she would say to her kids about why it doesn't get bigger. So when I'm talking to my students, I'll start there. Okay. When I'm talking to my students, I use the example of having to. I used to use the example of having two teenagers, but now I have two adult children (laughs) Um, and not ever having money. So if I only had less than a dollar in my wallet and Carrington needed money, I might tell her she could only have part of it. And I might, because I'm a math teacher, be very specific about what part of it that she could have. If that's the case... If I have less than a whole and I'm only going to give her part, there's no way that she could have more than I started with. Mm -hmm. And the students are kind of like, yeah, that makes sense. So then we begin to talk about what kind of a problem that is. And of course they want to say subtraction because you have some money and you're going to give her. And I said, but the problem isn't, I'm not telling her how much to take. I'm telling her what part of it she can take. Mm Mm-hmm. And so what does that look like? If I told her that she could um, take what I have and go get the same amount from her dad, we would say that was two groups of it. But what is it if 
I only give her part. And someone might say half of it. Oh, yeah. So if I give her half of what I have, it's probably going to, it's definitely going to be less. Well, because we're studying decimals, how might you say that? What if I had 50 cents? What multiplication problem? Half of 50 cents. How do you write that? And so you get into five-tenths of five-tenths. Okay. Um, and I'm not going to be tell you that they're like, oh, yeah, I get it. Because they still are scratching their head as much as we're scratching yeah. our head. Yeah. Um, and then there's always models, right? You can yeah. take one-tenth of one-tenth. And as much as you're like, oh, look, they can see it. There's still some of them that are just shaking their heads like, hold on, hold on. Yeah. But the easiest way that I've seen to model it is to do one-tenth times one-tenth. After I have that conversation about money, what if I had a dime in my pocket and I said Carrington could have one-tenth of it? How would she get one-tenth of it? And someone would eventually say she could have a penny. Mm -hmm. So now I'm going to give you the base 10 rods. And this represents a tenth, and this represents a tenth. What could you do with these two to show one hundredth? And if they cross them at a 90-degree angle, then one hundredth is what overlaps. Hmm. That's the model for one-tenth of one-tenth. Some of them, you catch a little bit more. I mean, like you just said, however many ways you can represent it, yeah, you're going to catch a little bit more. And then they're going to know which one they understood. So the crossing one, like, I don't, I don't love that one. Like that model, I don't know. I'm just, it feels sort of forced because we know that that's what's going to come. Like later you're going to get a grid and you're going to have to shade a tenth of it. And then you're going to shade a tenth the other way. And then the, like, it feels forced because I know where it's coming, where it's going. I'm not sure they would think like. And once you get it from the concrete where they're holding it and you try to transfer it to that hundredth grid. Mm -hmm. I'm just going to be honest and tell you, I didn't even go there. Yeah. I just finished multiplying decimals and I didn't use that model this time. Yeah. I used equal groups of hundredths and equal groups of tenths and equal groups of one and two hundredths. Um, all my modeling was just whole numbers times a decimal. Yeah. Well, our, I, our, um, our standard, it could, it could show up. I like, like she has to teach it. I feel like, because it, it could be something that they'd be responsible for. So I've kind of contemplated because dividing decimals is what come next. And I'm like, well, maybe I'll get the model with dividing decimals because multiplying decimals is, it, it is one of those things in sixth grade and middle school when they first start to do it, that you just can't understand why it's so hard for them, especially if it's like a hundredth times a hundredth. Which that you can't you can't model or, or right. you can't model on in the same way on the flat. You cannot. Um because you're looking at the <laughs> She's making fun of us. <laughs> because you have to look at the width of it. And so when you have the hundredth block it has the same width as the tenth block, and they're the same. Yeah. So. Okay. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna talk to her about the money and the model. Like to go back to the model, the one tenth of the one tenth. 
my brain was seeing the rod and then thinking about chopping it into 10 pieces and taking one of them. That That's how I was could like walk into it, make sense of it. Mm-hmm. Um, Which is what you would do with your dime. Yeah. You know, it yeah. would be that same kind of model. You would have to trade it for 10 pennies. Right. And- um, I think, okay, something you said again this morning, you said this morning when I was like telling you we were going to talk about this question was that sometimes multiplication is groups of and sometimes multiplication is equal parts of a group is uh, now you said it different before parts of a group parts of a group because if you have three tenths of something then you have three parts called one tenth of a group that may only have five tenths in it Hmm. So you still have equal groups, right? Multiplication is always equal groups. That's a fair statement. Okay. But sometimes the groups are only part. They're not a whole group. Yeah. The the thing that makes this so hard is that you're t- you the whole changes, right? First you're looking at the whole kind of like as your second factor. And then you have to compare it back to the whole, like, what's one to begin with in the very beginning. Because let's say you're doing three-tenths of five-tenths. Mm-hmm. First, it feels like that five-tenths is your whole, air quotes, because you need to take that piece and break it up into ten pieces and take three of them, you know? And then you get that amount that's three-tenths of that part. And then you – that's not just your answer. You have to look back to compare how much you have there back to your whole. It's the same with multiplying fractions. You know, it just it feels weird. It feels like your whole is changing in that problem. Maybe that's not the best way to say it, but – okay. I'm going to go talk to her again today. And and you got anything to say about that? I know you checked down over there, JJ. Yeah, so now you're just going to call me out on it right I now am, there. yep. I want to see you. if you had anything else to say. No, I, I think you're doing a great job. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> He's like, please don't talk about multiplying decimals one more time. <laughs> Such a hard thing, right? Um, okay, I'll I'll let you know tomorrow on the run okay. or the hobble, whatever it might be, <laughs> um, about what, what she says. And You know, I have, I have faith in her and her kids that they'll – you know, tried a bunch of different models and they'll figure out something so that works. So I – maybe this is going to lead us into our next thing. Okay. Um, I'm out today with a sub and so I was looking for something meaningful. And, of course, I used my little search engine went to Mitboss. Yeah. <laughs> or Twitter. Uh-huh. Mitboss, powers of 10. Yeah. And I found this really cool Robert Kaplinsky lesson that – was a little bit too cool for my sub to do. So I was like, ooh, we're going to save that for Tuesday when I'm back. I got to find something else. And there's a video that was made in 1977. Awesome. That's called Powers of Ten. And it just starts with this couple on a blanket in the park. And it starts with a one meter by one meter version. And they just keep zooming out all the way to... 10 to the 24th power and 
he's giving you all kinds of information when you give it. In fact, my sub plans say watch it the first time and don't say anything. Okay. Just let them get what they get. Mm -hmm. And then watch it the second time and give them these eight questions to answer. Okay. To notice and wonder. Cool. But it might benefit a teacher, myself, if you look (laughs) at that number, like what's the difference between multiplying by 10 and 100 and then multiplying by one-tenth and one-hundredth. So they're seeing that when you multiply by 10, the number is getting larger because you are putting 10 groups of that. And when you multiply by one-tenth, the number is getting smaller. Like, wouldn't that be cool if the student was the first person to realize that? Yeah. Yeah. That might could happen in a number string. Of, oh, that's a good idea. Of some sort where you have a decimal number that you multiply by 10 and 100 and 1,000 and then multiply by one-tenth and one-hundredth. Yeah. Hey, that reminds me. You you texted me a picture of a number string. Did you end up using it in your class? It was like multiplying by five-tenths, four oh. times five-tenths, eight times five-tenths, and then eight divided by... Oh, I haven't gotten to that yet. No. That was planning for this week. Okay. I was like, which one is she talking about? Because I've done number strings with um, addition and subtraction of decimals. All right. I might might have to look into that about whether there's a a number string that would help them make sense of it. That's a good idea. So I will tell you that there's not one on MitBoss. You can just save that. Okay. Well, I'm just going to look in the book. Because somebody – okay. Because somebody said – you could do a number string with decimals, but they didn't give them. Yeah. Like that was just their recommendation. Well, we also can maybe think of one. Right. And there's a number strings website, right? Numberstrings.com or something. I just found that. Oh, I don't know about that. Okay. This, I, this, I'm so sorry. I remember I did this one from this website. Seven times eight, seven times 80, eight times 70, seven times eight tenths, eight times seven tenths. Eight times seventy hundredths, eight times eighty hundredths. So they look at how they are the same, and it's all done on a place value chart. So I'll send you the link, and you okay. can look at that. Cool. All right. Thank you. So maybe one of the last things that you wanted to share about was you have found another puzzle that you're going to use. So, or, in- well, actually, you didn't also talk about why you're going into powers of ten right now and where where that's going to look. So both of those places. So I've just taught multiplying decimals and dividing decimals is coming. Okay. Um, But it's just so tempting to be like, today I'm going to teach you how to divide decimals. If there is a decimal in the divisor, make it a whole number. And however (laughs) many times you move the decimal out here, do it in here. Yeah. And remember that algorithm. Yeah. And just... I mean, I'm just going to be honest. The task of trying to create a task so that a student can discover that on their own yeah. Yeah. is daunting. Yeah. And it's probably so daunting that there's not a plethora of them on the Internet mm-hmm. to choose from. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm still working on how we're going to do that. But I have a couple days because we have to do decimal just in the dividend. Um, but. I feel like the whole powers of 10 multiplying and dividing is just so fundamental. And I want them to be efficient 
at being able to understand what multiplying by 10 means. And then we're going to spend some time talking about how when you multiply a division problem in your divisor and your dividend by 10, you are really just multiplying it by one, which is why you have the same answer. Because if you think about your division problem like a fraction oh. and you multiply it by 10 tenths, that's mm -hmm. a form of one. Yeah. And so we've rewritten it and it looks a lot different, but that is mathematically why three tenths divided by five tenths is equivalent to three divided by five. Yeah. And, and I wonder if this might be distracting or helpful, I'm not sure, but there's probably examples where not just multiplying it by 10, but multiplying it by, by another number, like not just 10 over 10, but multiplying it by another number would make it even easier to solve, you know, like, hmm. um, like using that for a division strategy. Yeah. I don't know. I thought, I hadn't thought about that till you were saying it but it doesn't have to just be tens it could be something else like if you had one and five tenths as your divisor make it a three and double your dividend also mm -hmm. you know? or i was thinking 25 hundredths as your divisor multiply by four multiply it by four yeah and make it a whole number yeah that might be something that they could discover what happened to this problem to turn into this problem, use your calculator to see that they're equal. Yeah. What did I do to this one? You know? Yeah. Hmm. Maybe, might... maybe just the discovering of the fact that anytime you multiply the dividend and the divisor by the same number, the, the quotient is the same before you jump into tens. I don't know. It yeah. might be more distracting we than helpful. We could do that with noticing and wondering. Yeah. Hmm. All right. So anyways, that's where, that's why we're going to do powers yeah. of 10. And then I was looking for what are they going to do? Um, it's almost like I need something because I already have students who already know the algorithm. They're going to be able to just whip out the answers to this. Yeah. Um, I don't think that they would be able to have this discussion and understand why they're doing what they're doing. Right. So they're going to be, why. you know, part of that noticing and wondering for sure. But when we get to the point where we're practicing, I've got to have something for them to do. And I feel like I've spent so much of my planning time this particular year looking for those kinds of things. Mm -hmm. um, like this is what you do when you're done and everyone can get here. Yeah. You know, anyways, I found these Inaba puzzles that her name just escaped me. Jennifer... What did you, you said you, oh, Jenna Lab. She's someone that we follow on Twitter. And she has a blog about these Anaba puzzles where it's all whole numbers, but they equal a decimal. And so the student has to figure out where to put the decimal in the problem so that. I think I've used these now that you're describing it again. I might have used these before. Yeah, yeah. so that they can make the answer correct. And okay. there's a combinations of addition and subtraction, but you have to multiply or divide by 10 on the left side to get it to equal what's on the right side. I, and did, so have, I did use these. That's what I'm hoping they're going to be able to make that connection. If I could make this number 10 times smaller, 
then it would equal what it needs to yeah to make it on that side and i think them just using that vocabulary because that's what i'm going to that's the part that i'm grading is what did you do to the equation on the left i don't want you to just say i put a decimal in front of the 4 mm-hmm. i want you to say i had to make the 4 10 times smaller yeah cool all right i can't wait, wait to hear how that goes I, re- I remember using it with same kind of thing a kid who was done with everything else was working on that that puzzle um you made me just want to bring up something cool that happened this week, um, which you were one of the things I think that new teachers don't have yet. And it's not a fault of them. It's just a fault of how the like getting better at teaching works is a good understanding of the order in which you present problems matters. Mm. Um, and you talked about how. You know, you did all a decimal times a whole number and, you know, we talked about that. Then we're going to go into a decimal times a decimal. And um, I've been discussing that with several other teachers in several different contexts, you know. Um, And it's just so cool to watch teachers who didn't have that. And let's call it what it is. It's like pedagogical content knowledge, which Jay usually laughs at me every time I say that word. But, you know, like... You don't know that till you've walked through it I mean, or you've read about it, but still it doesn't sometimes stick, you know. Um, and it's just so cool to watch teachers. These This particular group I'm thinking of is on their third year and like they've got it now. And they they we were making a, a post assessment together and they were like, oh, we need a problem like this. Oh, we need to make sure we have a question like this. And before they they didn't think through the number, cho- like the choices of, of their hmm. numbers or anything. Um, one example that I wanted to share that, you know, maybe people haven't thought of, probably the people who are listening to our podcast have thought about it, let's be honest, but maybe not. Um, (laughs) yeah, (laughs) I don't mean it like that, but I mean, we only only attract the best listeners. Yeah. Well, I think people who, uh, whatever, let me just, anyway, (laughs) the people, okay. the, The problem was an estimating with estimating sums and differences, okay? And I'm proud of them because they're using the word estimating in the right place and rounding in the right place. They're not the same thing, you know, and they're, they're working on using the right, they are using the right language. But um, when it was a multiple choice question and there's the answer that you would get for rounding both add-ins mm-hmm. and then you would get this answer is... The, the estimated sum. But when you did the actual addition problem, you would get a different answer out of the answer choices, you know, and they hadn't grasped that yet. Like I was thinking through that step because I've seen like on poor assessments where it doesn't work, you know, and the kid gets it wrong because they did the actual answer and then rounded it, which is not estimating really. Um, Anyway, so I brought that up and I was so proud of one of the teachers because she had, you know, not necessarily seen it in that problem, but she'd realized that when you pick your, if you're making a problem like that, you need to pick your add-ins to be really close to one of the multiples of 10. So either it needs to be like the ones place in the, have an eight or a nine or the ones place be like a one, two, or three. If you pick these, if you pick like four, five, and six as your ones place, then you're 
multiple of 10 that you go to when you round is far away from the actual number and it can possibly change your estimate far away from the actual answer. Does that make sense? It does make sense, but I'm a little bit confused about what you said when you said it was a poor assessment because the estimated sum was going to be wrong. Like what, what's your objective? What do your directions say for the question? Do your questions say round each number and find the sum? Does it say estimate to find the sum or Hmm. Because when is it right? Because I have a question on my exam that uses that because I teach the difference between estimating and rounding. Okay. And if you round each number and then find the sum, then you have estimated and you will get the correct answer. Mm -hmm. But if you do the actual problem and round your answer, you have not estimated and you will pick the wrong one. So they're both on there. Hmm. So what do your directions say? Estimate the sum. And yeah. so when I say estimate the sum, that means make it an easy problem. Yeah. Change both numbers. And I don't tell them what to estimate it to. I don't feel like that's math language. You don't say estimate to the tenths place. Yeah. You just say estimate. Yeah. You say round to the tenths place. Right. right. Yeah. So I can't remember whether there says, says to round or not, but in their case... Um, that's all they've ever that's this is like their students first in, uh, introduction to the idea and so they nobody in the room i don't think is thinking about adding and then finding which one is the closest to it so you're asking me whether i think that's right or wrong cuz you just called it a poor test and i'm like well that's my objective is for you to know the difference between estimating and rounding and so on my test I'm choosing numbers that are close, that if yeah. you follow the directions, you're going to get a different answer than if you don't follow the directions. I just hate how the answer you're picking is farther away. The, the right answer to you is farther away from the actual answer than some of the answer choices. Like that, that gives me the heebie-jeebies. <laughs> I think it should be. But it's not. So I, this is really weird that I can remember this test question. Yeah, that is weird. I'm sorry. So the actual answer to whatever I said was adding two things was $100.69. And okay. so if you add it up and you round that, then you get $101. Okay. That's your answer choice. All right. But if you estimate, then I forget what they're – I don't remember what the problem was to know if it's – I don't, I don't remember. I'm acting like I, like I just remember the answer choice. Mm -hmm. 169 is what it, you get when you total it. And 101 would be wrong, which would mean their answer would have to be 100. So you are right that that's further away from the actual yeah. answer. I guess what I don't understand is how can there be estimating? I mean, how can you be absolutely right or wrong? Because the whole word is like doing it shortly. Right. And for me, when I teach it, the difference between estimating and rounding comes when I'm shopping. Estimating is what I do as I'm putting the stuff in the grocery cart and I am keeping this easy running total of what mm -hmm. I've spent. And rounding is what I do when I'm shopping for clothes 
with Carrington and we buy stuff at the mall and my husband says, how much did you spend? And I round the answer. Down. Yes. <laughs> the other way. Instead of rounding it, I might round that 149 to about a hundred dollars. <laughs> Whoa. Right? <laughs> yeah. And yeah. so for them, that's how that's the difference between estimating and rounding. And yeah. that's what I'm testing. Because But aren't you like in your head in the grocery store, you're rounding each thing. And then exactly. adding them all together. So it's just whether you round as you go or at the end. Correct. And if you do it as you go, it's estimating. And if you do it at the end, it's rounding. Mm-hmm. But I think you use rounding to estimate. Correct. Yeah. All along. Hmm. But rounding typically comes with to the nearest, right? That's true. And yeah. estimating is you choose. Like I usually round to the nearest tens place and mike always rounds to the nearest 10th and holds all those numbers in his head and then we go to check out and he's like this is going to be whatever in 52 cents i'm like i don't even know how you do that that's that's the hundredth stop playing that game i know but he just adds that on to be really specific yeah anyways well i think it has a lot to do with what's your what your question says Mm -hmm. you know and sometimes Problems will say round to the nearest 10 and in order to estimate or something. Sometimes it's specific like that. Um, I, I guess, I guess the point there is that they, it was cool that the teacher had sort of thought about that and was discovering the fact that, you know, you want to keep your problem, your add-ins close to the multiple of 10 in order to make it, in order to make the rounded answer, I guess, and the estimate match, so we have an we have an un we have a um, unanswered math battle yeah, there, Ruth. I don't really know. I mean, I see what you're going to, and I think your our objectives are different, right? Yeah, the fact that you're talking about second grade and mm-hmm. I'm talking about sixth, yeah, maybe that's okay. Yeah, All right. Pause. So for the it doesn't pain. have to be a math battle. It can just be a you keep it down there and I'll yeah <laughs> at your grade level and I'll do it in 6th. All right. Well, all that to say that I'm I'm proud of them for thinking deeply about the math and it's it was a, a win this week to get to that point and right I'm and now excited you've for them. me to think about the math. So yeah. that could be another win. Yeah, win. I don't know that I'm going to agree with you. <laughs> yeah. But okay. <laughs> yeah. Um all right. So I think it's time for takeaways y'all yay yay all right (laughs) who has one i was thinking um i guess we you guys have talked about open middle problems for well about the entire podcast yes um and i i you probably explained them along the way but i never really knew what you're talking about Mm -hmm. until a couple weeks ago when robert kaplinski was on i actually saw one and you were explaining it better yeah or I was paying attention. You probably explained it fine before. I just wasn't paying you attention. You were paying attention because Robert was in the room. Well, I mean, I was I was looking at him because we <laughs> it came up. It was a main part of that conversation. Okay. But I was thinking how, you know, the puzzle nature of it interests interests me yeah. more than like a word problem nature of things. Where mm-hmm. sometimes, you know, a word problem or some sort of like logic puzzle or I don't know. Something, sometimes that would that would interest me, but... 
the puzzle nature of some of these things and, and have come up. And I guess that's the whole idea of them is it can appeal to people who struggle with the math and people who are fine with the math, but, you know, trying to find a next step or, or whatever. And I just, I just think it's, um, it's something that I never, if I was taught that way, I never thought about it. You know, it never struck me as, as interesting or fun mm-hmm. along the way. I didn't, I liked math, so it wasn't like I, it wasn't like I was bored or, or miserable, but I think that's an interesting thing for me that, that attracts me to, to some concepts more than just, Hey, this is how you do it. Or, mm-hmm. I don't know, just that, that, I don't know, like a challenge or, or a trying to, trying to get it a, a different way. I don't know. Yeah. So I think that leads me into my takeaway is that there are students like the J Prophets in your class who would enjoy that. And there are students like the Ruth Urquiagas in your class who are like, I need a starting point. Can you just tell me what I'm supposed to do? Can you tell me the list of rules? Because mm-hmm. I get I there's just this wide variety with open middle problems that some students are like, yes, it's a challenge. Let's go. And other students are like, can you just tell me what I'm supposed to do? Because I put an open middle problem on my test mm-hmm. and it was just adding these decimal numbers, create the largest number you can. And we went through the strategy and how that strategy worked. And we practiced strategy after strategy. Let's practice this particular problem. I'll and also I still say, had students who just couldn't do it. Yeah. 2019 J Profit is a lot different than 1997 J Profit. Well, that is a good thing. And <laughs> well, I just know that in, you know, back then I was struggling through pre-calculus. And if you'd have been, hey, you don't con- you don't understand this, well, let me give you this puzzle. I'd have been, no, I don't want to puzzle about this. I don't know mm-hmm. it yet. <laughs> but you know, I don't I don't I don't know that for me it would have been it would have been the way to help me learn something new. It would have been help, maybe the way to help me understand a concept I could already do on yeah. paper. Which I think is what he said in, when when you at, when Ruth asked, when do you use these? You know, mm-hmm. after they can already do a couple of problems, yeah. then it's the right time. I, I For me, the, the puzzle part is definitely motivating. Like that's the one thing I remember from elementary math. I know we've talked about this, but was like when my – teachers showed us logic puzzles i was like give me more see i don't think we would have been friends in elementary school yeah probably not <laughs> i mean not that we were in elementary <laughs> school say, together well, that would have been kind of hard yeah, <laughs> right right i and, don't know maybe i would have been what in high school hanging out with you you could have been my friend <laughs> yeah that's awesome <coughs> um and when i saw that first grade problem and then was immediately like could this work with double digit problems? I mean, I was really supposed to be doing something else. And I was like for 30 minutes, like I can't do anything else till I figure out if there's really a solution. I I just was like, I have two pages worth of what I tried. It was, I just got really motivated by it. So there's all kinds of kids, right? So that brings me to my takeaway, which is about multiplying decimals and the idea as we talked that there's not... There's not going to be one thing that the teacher's going to say to her class that's going to make everybody get it. She's going to have to say it a bunch of different times because there are a bunch of different kids thinking about it a bunch of different ways. And a bunch of kids not listening the first time you say it. Sure, yeah. So you might just have to say the same thing. Yeah. And then get kids to say it to each other once they get it. that's a really good point. And I have noticed that that 
that just works. Yeah. I was observed this last week, and that was something that my principal was like, that was so good. You just kept saying, who else can say that a different way? Yeah. Who else can say what you just discovered? Yeah. And students really have to process what it says and then be able to get it out to say it the same way. So that's a good teacher move. There was um, – I, I – recorded myself teaching a number leading a number talk this week um, because a teacher asked me to and there was a kid who finally said the idea we were going for or that I was going for at least and I thought no one heard that kid say it and I was like ooh who can say that again kind of like oh no one was listening I'm gonna catch you uh, and that feels yucky but that's kind of where my brain was and immediately another kid was like oh da, 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 and said exactly what the person was thinking and I was like yes they're listening um it was good so uh, that's a move that if you don't already use it try it you know who can say that who can say who can repeat that or who can say that again or who can say it a different way um is is a strong move all right. It's been real. I think it's been real. And maybe we will run this week, girl. I hope so. I know. I need it. Yeah. All right. See you on a run.